You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. So cool. Hey, how many of you are, are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah. We have, we have so much to be, be thankful for as a people. We have so much to be thankful for as, as, as sons and daughters of God. And, and, and I think as we walk into this next season, the revelation that we carry of Jesus is going to be the most important thing that we carry as a people. Um, earlier in the year, I, I read a book um, by A.W. Tozer called The Crucified Life. Um, and it, and it's, it's a powerful book. Um, I love reading books that obviously point me more to scripture. Um, but some of the older writers just have this ability to not just tickle your ear with fancy sayings and really, you know, kind of cool tag phrases. They just get into the rich theology of Jesus and the foundations of our faith. And I mean, we can read some of the the contemporary books that I have read and, and they're good and they're motivating. But man, when you read an entire book about the blood of Jesus, uh, um, there's something powerful in that. And how many of you know that we cannot graduate from knowing the theologies of the blood of Jesus and what was accomplished on the cross? If you believe that, say amen. amen. Uh, when, when I was growing up, we used to sing songs about the blood of Jesus. When I was growing up, we used to sing songs. I mean, there would be whole Sundays where everything we sang was about the blood of Jesus and how the blood of Jesus washes us white as snow and there is power, power, resurrecting power in the blood of the lamb. There was these, 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 these rich theologies that, that we sometimes in, in contemporary church uh, only seem to highlight on special Sundays like Easter. But how many of you know that the blood of Jesus is, is, is one of the most powerful things that we could be sowing into the theology of the church? Because if we're going to be a free people, we need to know what the blood of Jesus accomplished. Um, this morning, we're, we're going to start a new series, if you could say a new series. And the new series uh, is called this, What Do You Say of Christ? What do you say of Christ? There's so many arguments in the world today about religion. There's so many arguments in the world today about whether your what your political views are. If you're if you're on this side, or if you're on that side, or if you're like most of us, like kind of in the middle, we believe some of this and we believe some of that. But you know, whatever all of all the things that divide culture, it's in the church, it's outside of the church. All of those things, and and I really am provoked by this question: Is what do you say about Jesus? What do you say about Jesus? Because we can have opinions about this and we can have opinions about that, but the thing that is gonna matter when we see God face to face is what I say about his son, Jesus. It's a theology that we really have to, to wrap our, our, our hearts around. It's a theology that we really need to embed into our being because it's the most important message that you and I will ever carry as the children of God is what we say about Jesus. I would love to turn our attention to, to Luke. And, and as, as we are celebrating the resurrection 
we have to look at what happened on the cross. I'm going to do quite a bit of reading, and I know that this is going to be a little monotonous. We know the, the, the crucifixion story, but friends, this is the story of our Christ. This is the story about our Savior, and we have to know this story. This is a story that has been told for the generations, and I'm telling you, friends, it's not just a story. It's an, a, a historical depiction of what took place in history. And when we have to tell our story about Jesus and what we say about Jesus, this is a part of that. So let's read. It's, it's quite a bit of reading, so please just uh, follow along. I'll, I'll try to read. I'm a little amped right now. I'll try to read to the best of my ability real clear. Um, Jesus, I just pray before... I say another word, <laughs> Lord, that by your spirit, your word will take root in our hearts in a way that it never has. Many of us have heard the crucifixion story. Many of us have read it. But Jesus, as we are here today in this new season, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, this hits us in a new way. Jesus, thank you for what you accomplished on the cross on our behalf. And I pray as I share what you have placed on my heart by your spirit for these people, Lord, that you will do a mighty work in us this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Luke chapter 23 verse 1 says this, the entire council took Jesus to Pilate the Roman governor, and this is a council uh, that was putting Jesus on trial for claiming to be the Messiah. So they take him to the Roman governor who was Pilate because they did not have the power to crucify him. They were still under the authority of the Roman government, so they take him to the Roman government because they want the Romans to crucify him so their hands will be uh, clean of the blood of Jesus. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government, which was never done. But, you know, you want to you upset the government, you tell them people aren't paying taxes, and then they get a little upset. This man has been leading them astray, telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government. And listen to this. And by claiming that he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. You have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priest and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent, but he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. And when they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas, because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. And so Pilate wanted nothing to do with this trial. And she said, he's not under my jurisdiction. Take him to Herod. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. And he asked Jesus question after question. But Jesus stood there. Uh, Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. And finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. 
Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Isn't that amazing? How people can become friends at the cause of persecuting Christ. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and the other religious leaders along with the people and he announced his verdict. This is his verdict. You brought this man to me accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod became... um, Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted, kill him and release Barabbas. And if you remember at this point in history, just a week before, on, on, on Palm Sunday, they were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were throwing their cloaks on the ground as Jesus rode on a donkey. And they were celebrating him as the coming king. And just four days later, they're shouting, crucify him, kill him. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. And Pilate urged with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he demanded, why, what crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. The religious leaders of the time wanted his head and Pilate gave in. Pilate sent Jesus to die as they demanded, and as they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, but he turned Jesus over to them as they wished. Verse 26, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Serene, happened to be home uh, home from, from the countryside, and the soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And a large crowd trailed behind him, including many um, grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and he said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when, when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? I mean, it's just prophetic image of Jesus saying, you guys think this is the worst of it. This is not the worst of it. This is not the worst of it. I'm still here. I'm still accomplishing a work. You wait until I've long gone and wait to what this world becomes. And friends, we're 2,000 plus years into this prophetic utterance from Jesus. And Jesus, um, sorry, verse 32. Two other 
two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to the place called the Skull, or, or, or Calvary, this is where the word Calavera, where we get it from. When they came to a place called Calvary, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And if you remember, they had put that royal robe on him from Herod's little courtyard situation going on. The crowd watched and the, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a sign was fastened above him with these words. And this wasn't done honoring. This was done sarcastically as a, as a slap to Jesus' face. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal prote protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon. Can you imagine this taking place early in the morning? This time it's noon. And the darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And the light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he gave his last breath. Why don't you guys just close your eyes for a second. This is what our Savior endured for us. I know we know the story. I know we've seen the movie. You probably, like me, have watched The Passion during this season. And just to be reminded, but friends, this, this is our Savior's story. And it's not just a narrative. It's not just this, this piece of literature. This is a historical event that took place by the King of Glory. And I think we need to sit in that. I think we need to recognize the importance of what took place. Easter is not just a day. The crucifixion wasn't just an event. It changed the course of history for all time. It, it, it sent the trajectory of mankind destined for, for an eternity separated from God. Now created a bridge that we would have access to the Father and it was because of what Jesus accomplished. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and he said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood 
in a distance watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph and he was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decisions and the actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And he went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus's body. Then he took the body down from the cross and he wrapped it in a long sheet with linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of a rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon. The day of preparation as a Sabbath was about to begin. And as his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and, and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as well as required by the law. The crucifixion. It's a moving story. How many of you have ever heard this story? How many of you have watched a movie of this story? Right? It's moving stuff. We, we use that term, right? It's moving, right? I, I was moved by that movie or, or that book was moving or, or that story was moving or, or, or that preach really moved me. The question is, how did it move you? How did it move you? What, what actual movement took place when, when we consider the crucifixion? What, what actually shifted in our being when we consider what took place at this point in history? Or has it just become a narrative, kind of like the Christmas story? And, and, and it's just, oh, Jesus came to the earth. And oh, yeah, Jesus died for us on that day. Have they become just highlights and, and, and just these little flashes that we, we get to celebrate as, as, as a religious people? Because if this is a moving story, the question for us, friends, is how did it move us? What, what, what has changed? The greatest thing to ever take place in human history, and for many inside and outside of the church, has been reduced to spring break for our kids, and if you're lucky, a couple days off on Good Friday and Monday. And we might squeeze in Easter service for good measure. And I know I'm talking to the choir, so thank you guys for being here. Listen, I say these things not to rebuke us as a people. I say these things because in my walk with Jesus at one point, this is what Easter was reduced to. A moving story. I, I would wake up on Easter, on Easter Sundays often, and I would be moved I'd be moved by the price that Jesus paid for my sins, the mocking, the spitting, the beatings, the lashes, the chunks of beard ripped from his face, the, the nails pierced in his feet, the nails pierced in his hands, the spear pierced on his side, and I would be moved. But mostly because of guilt and shame. Mix in a little bit of, of unworthiness and, and, and I would kneel and I would repent in recognition for what Jesus did for me on Easter Sundays. Yet on Monday, I wasn't quite as moved anymore. The truth of the matter is God is not in heaven worrying about. Listen, friends, don't don't I don't want to lose you. The truth of the matter is God is not in heaven worrying about what you did on Easter Sunday. What Jesus and God is concerned with is what do you say about Christ? 
What do you say about Christ? This is a huge part of it. This is a huge element that gets us to understand about what we say about Christ. But if Easter is just another holiday mixed in with all the other religious cultural days, then I think God could care less about how moved we are. What do we say about Jesus? doesn't matter how moved we are about a religious story or even a movie about a religious story. What God wants to know is what we say about his son. You might be thinking, well, I go to church. <laughs> but the question isn't, do you go to church? The question is, what do you say about Jesus? Well, I went to, I went to Easter service that one year. Awesome. So did millions of others. What do you say about Jesus? But I'm a really good person. You might be. But what do you say about Jesus? A.W. Tozer in his book, The Crucified Life said this, it is entirely possible to be religious and not have forsaken the world. It's entirely possible. It's easy to fall into social religion, especially in today's climate. What I mean by social religion is we just kind of socially start, you know, you know, going to church. It's kind of a social thing that happens. It's this social practice that we've fallen into. It's like joining a club. Like, I don't know, you, you pick a name. But once religion is stripped away, the question still remains, what do you say about Jesus? This is what the church has had to answer during this pandemic. When everything was stripped away, when you could no longer come into a church building and, and you could no longer, the, the, the government was saying, you can't worship and sing out loud. When all the things that were stripped away from the religious system, we had to be left with this question is, what do we say about Jesus? Because we couldn't go to church. Because you couldn't sing his praises. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus asked this question of his disciples in this, in this portion of scripture. It says this, when Jesus came to the, um, the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Who, who are people saying that I am? And well, they replied, some, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're, you're Elijah or, or others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And, and if you were to ask that question today out in the world, they'd say, who, who do you say Jesus is? And people would give you some of these things. Oh, he, he's, he's one of the religious figures in the world. You know, oh, he, he's one of the figures that lead to God. But, you know, all religions lead to God. And so, you know, he would be, you know, like, like you know, Buddha is to, um, is to Buddhism. It would be, Jesus would be to Christianity. You know, we would get all of these different questions about who people say Jesus is. And then Jesus asked this question. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? See, we can, we can recognize what the culture says about Jesus. We can recognize what, what the world says and what the worldview is and what, and what even world religion says about Jesus. But the question is for us as individuals who have to respond to what took place on that cross is who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You are the Messiah. And that word translated is the anointed one. It's a Hebrew word. It's, the Greek word for Messiah would be Christ. 
You're the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. And Peter says this with revelation. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from a human being. And I'm telling you, friends, we are so captivated by knowledge in this society that we think that we can think ourselves into a revelation of Christ. And Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, God bless you. I love you so much. Because you're probably not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> this revelation came from God. This came from God. God revealed this to you. Who do you say I am? Jesus confirms this is being a revelation from heaven. Revelation from heaven, which means just like when Jesus was being baptized and he comes out of the water and the heavens open and the voice of God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's a revelation. Just like that revelation, Peter had a revelation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And yet in Mark 14, 71, Peter swore a curse on me if I am lying. I do not know this man that you're talking about. I don't know this man that you're talking about. And, and we read this narrative and we're like, how, how could he? How could he say that? He walked with Jesus. He saw him perform miracles. He saw him walk on water. He saw him heal people. He saw him feed Thousands of people, he saw him spit in the dirt and make mud and slap it on some guy's eyes and then he could see, he saw it all. How could he? What is he thinking? Better question. What are we thinking? What are we thinking? What are you thinking? You know, this, this phrase can seem so cliche especially in, in, in our church and in the lives of, of our partnership uh, with, with, with all you know New Covenant Ministries and the and ministries that we um, are in partnership with. But listen, friends, the truth still remains. Our mission is to know Jesus. And the second part of that mission is to make Jesus known. To know Jesus and to make Jesus known is what the people of God need to be about. So I ask, of, I ask this of us today, and I want you to write this question down, friends. What do you say of Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Well, well I, don't, I don't like church. That's not the question. Do you know Jesus? We can get to the church part later. Do you know Jesus? Well, well, I have questions about the Bible. I mean, I read some stuff that just don't, I don't think are true. Listen, we can talk about theology later. Do you know Jesus? Did the crucifixion happen or it didn't? And if it did happen, then you, you have to come to grips with it. And if you're in, your, in of yourself, you're saying, well, it didn't happen. Then we have different discussions to talk about. But friends, we, has, we have to do something with this question is what do we say of Christ? 
Because if he was a son of God, if he did come to this earth, and if he was crucified, and if he did resurrect on the third day, that changes everything. Yeah, but what about the dinosaurs? We don't see them in the Bible. And, and what about the creation story? And what about all of those big questions I have? That's not the question, friends. What do you say about Jesus? Yes, we can talk about theology. And yes, I would love to dive into scripture and maybe answer some of those questions that, that bring some of those doubts. But I'm telling you, friends, there's mysteries that we will never know. Not on this side of heaven. You can get all of them, the best scientists on this planet and they still would give you their best theory. So we're not arguing about all of the big questions. We're not arguing about all of, all of those looming things that could cause doubts in, in, in our social context. I'm asking us this question, friends, is what do we say about Jesus? When you know Jesus, Easter just isn't just Easter. Resurrection Sunday was the greatest day in human history because when Jesus resurrected, he conquered sin, death, shame once and for all that we might have an unhindered relationship with our heavenly father again. John 3, 16, you probably all can quote this verse for it, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Listen, friends, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. What do you say about Jesus? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, read like this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Which means that there has to have been a revelation in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there has to be a belief in your spirit that God raised him from the dead. And then you have to be able to say something about it and declare it. And when you declare it, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you, you are made right with God. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Do you hear that, friends? To know Jesus and to make him known. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. The, another version would say, you won't be disappointed. You're not going to be disappointed when you trust in Jesus. It's just not possible. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, listen to this, friends, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that thief on the cross next to Jesus was given salvation. At the slightest hint, they had a revelation that Jesus was the son of God. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? He had something to say about Jesus and that, that gave him a free ticket into heaven. Can you imagine that? Can we, can we fathom the grace of God? Can we even fathom how gracious the Lord is that even in that moment, he's granting free passes and access to God. We think that he would hold that back from us. Yeah, we're struggling, we struggle. We struggle with this declaration of who he is. We struggle with, 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 with all, of, all of the ancillary things when the rubber meets the road. When the rubber meets the road. 
we really just have to answer this. What do we say about Jesus? The natural response to someone who knows Jesus is to make him known. Right? I, I know I'm going to lose some of you right now, but listen, if, if you knew Kobe Bryant, probably the whole world would know that you knew Kobe Bryant. If you're not a Kobe fan, you can use Jordan or, or, or Oprah or uh, Joanna Gaines or, or, or who, whoever else. You could just put that name in there. But if you knew that person, the whole world would know that you knew them. Right? You know, me and Chip hanging out at Magnolia Farms or uh, me and Kobe hanging out after the finals. Rest in peace. Me and Oprah at the gym, sweating to the oldies. Hanging out with Drake in the studio, fire. And, and listen, maybe you're not a socialite, you know, maybe you're, you know, but I'm hanging with my wife at the beach, hanging with the kiddos at the park with the bestest bestie having brunch. When we know someone, we let the world know that we know them. Because there's intimacy there. We want the world to recognize that there's a knowledge taking place within this relationship and we let the world know. I love this person. They, 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 you know, they, they, I want everyone to know. Why does it change with Christ? Why does it change with Jesus? And I'm not just talking about social media, friends. I'm talking about our lives. Why does it change with Jesus? Why is it that, that on opening day, we could speak about the Dodgers up, down, left, right, and when the seasons go, everything around the water cooler is about, about Kershaw letting us down again. <laughs> but when the most important thing in our life should be Christ and what we say about him, somehow never finds its way into the conversation. What do we say about Jesus? If you know Jesus, it's only by a revelation of heaven. If you know Jesus, it's only by a revelation of heaven. No one could have convinced you into this thing because if someone had to convince you into this thing, I'm telling you right now, it's easy for anyone and especially a system like today's culture to convince you out of it. If someone had to convince you to know Jesus, we, we have some soul searching to do. Because when we know Jesus, only from a revelation from heaven, and when you have a revelation from heaven, friends, we can't let that go. We can't let that go. No one should ever be able to convince us otherwise. It's paradigm shifting. It's, 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 it's life changing, it's transformational. You're never the same once you have this revelation that I know who Jesus Christ is and I know what he accomplished for my life on the cross. I could never be the same. How could we ever? If this truly happened, how could we ever be the same? But listen, the world's gonna challenge you. This culture is gonna challenge you. You really believe the Genesis creation story? You really believe the Tower of Babel narrative? There's no dinosaurs in the Bible. They're gonna challenge. And all these weird nuances that take away from the main thing and the main thing, friends, is what do you say about Jesus? First Corinthians chapter two, verse two, Paul the apostle says this, and I want you to hear this from me, friends. For I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah. 
I'm going to say that again. Apostle Paul said this, I have determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying, friends. I don't care about anything else. You could bring up all the other theologies, and yes, maybe I'm well-versed in that stuff. Maybe I'm, I'm well, Paul was a, the, the Pharisee of Pharisees. If anyone knew scripture, it was Paul. If anyone could quote the first five books of the Old Testament, it would have been this man. And listen, he says, I don't, I, I, I'm telling you, I don't know anything. I'm not going to pretend to know anything except for Christ and Christ crucified. And this is what he's saying. He says, I don't care about all the ancillary stuff. I don't, I don't care about the other questions. I don't care about the, the other theories that, that are going around. about. I talk about Jesus and him crucified. What do you say about Jesus? Now, please hear me, friends. I'm not saying those things are not important. I'm not saying that the, the word of God is not important. I, I'm not saying that we don't believe that the, his holy word is, is infallible. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if we're getting caught up with the culture and bringing doubts into my relationship with Christ, the truth of the matter is that all that, I, all that matters is what I say about him. What I say about him. What do you say about him? Luke, Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read about that Sunday morning. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Hallelujah. Resurrection Sunday. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. This shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. And that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. And then they rushed back from the tomb to uh, Magdalene, I'm sorry, to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, I love Peter. Sometimes he's bipolar, man, but by, <laughs> But I think how often I've been. Peter jumped up. And he ran to that tomb. And stooping, he peered in. And he saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. A better version would say he marveled. He marveled at what happened. What do you say of Jesus, friends? I say he's risen. I say he's the Lord. 
I say that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. I say that he came to the earth in a form of a man and performed many signs and, and wonders amongst the people in ancient Palestine. I say that he, he, he gave his life as a ransom for the sins of the world and by that sacrifice, I have been redeemed. I say that he is coming again to pick up his holy church, the people of God. I say that if you don't know him, today you have to make a choice. This ain't the matrix, there ain't no red and blue pill. This is life and death. This is life and death. Old Testament, the choice was this, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve. When Peter, after the day of Pentecost that we talked about in, in our last series, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And why he said that is because these people, this crowd heard the gospel message and they asked this question, what must we do? What must we, what must we do? And Peter replied, repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to, do, to you, to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. What do you say of Jesus? If he is a Christ, then what are you going to do about it? If he is the Christ, what are you going to do about it? This groups of thousands of people said, what must we do? What are you going to do about it? There's, a, there's an old hymn that was written in, in 1905 by a, by a man named Albert B. Simpson, and it reads like this. The hymn's called, What Will You Do With Jesus? Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken, what meaneth the sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? Jesus is standing on trial still. You can be false to him if you will. You can be faithful, throw good or ill. What will you do with Jesus? Will you evade him as Pilate tried? Or will you choose him, whatever betide? Vainly you struggle from him to hide. What will you do with Jesus? Will you like Peter, your Lord deny? Or will you scorn from his foes to fly? Daring for Jesus to live or die. What will you do with Jesus? Jesus, I give thee my heart today. Jesus, I'll follow thee all the way. Gladly obeying thee, will you say, this I will do with Jesus. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday, your heart will be asking, 
what will he do with me? One of the scariest verses that can be read in scripture. is the words of the master rebuking a wicked servant. And those words are harsh and and scary. And I would never wish them on anyone on this planet. But it's like this. Depart from me, you worker of of iniquity, because I never knew you. Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Because if you don't, today is your day. The Lord is revealing himself to you. He's already offered his life. He's already ascended to where he is seated on the throne and he's advocating on your behalf next to the Father. He is reminding the Father of the blood that has already been shed on your behalf because you are not righteous in and of yourself. It's only by his blood that you are made right and pure, but now you get to stand in confidence before the God of heaven because of what Jesus did. What will you do with Jesus if you don't know him? Again, Romans says if you confess with yourself, with, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Cry out to the Lord this morning. I'd love to invite you to close your eyes. I'm convinced that this room is filled with people whose eternity is secure with Jesus. But I also know on mornings like these, many, many come to realign themselves with the Lord again. And maybe you didn't come with that original intention. Maybe you came because there was an invitation. Maybe you came because afterwards, one of your family members promised you a good meal. (laughs) I always bait people with food. But the truth of the matter is, friends, that God ordains the times and the places. And you're here this morning, and even those of you who are online with us this morning, you're hearing these words, and, 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 and here's what's being offered. Life and death. What do you say about Jesus? Is he the Messiah? Did he die? on that Friday only to raise again on Sunday as promised and has he ascended back to heaven and is he seated on the throne and if he has friends there's only one response and we surrender ourselves to the Lord that's the starting point that's where this all begins and I would love to offer that to anyone in this place or online if you're online I'm going to ask you to do something 
just because we want to identify what's happening. If you need to respond to this prayer, and I'm going to tell you this prayer right now, I would love for you to put some kind of thumbs up emoji or something on our stream so that we know that you're responding to the gospel. And for anyone here in this room, I don't know if you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time or you know that today your life is far away from the Lord and you want to rededicate yourself to him. Listen, friends, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. I just want us to acknowledge publicly because the Bible says if we declare that he is Lord, we will be saved. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning and start this relationship of knowing him and allowing yourself to be known by him, in faith, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. If that's you, just please raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Jesus, this morning, as, as we are here to celebrate your resurrection, Lord, you see the hands, but even more importantly, you know the hearts. Lord, I pray for those who are lifting their hands and saying, Jesus, I want to surrender myself to you. By your spirit, God, I pray revelation, revelation from heaven that they know that you are the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you've raised your hand this morning or those of you who are online, I would just love for you to, to repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner day I choose to repent I choose to turn from my old ways and I choose to turn toward you I choose to be in a loving relationship with you Jesus my Savior and Lord give me the strength give me the strength to walk in your ways by your spirit, teach me to live a life of obedience. I love you and I will trust you from this day forth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. For the rest of us, I, I would I want to pray this as well, friends. If what we read this morning really took place, Jesus died and rose again and ascended and brought us back into right relationship with a loving God. And if this is the greatest news that has ever been spread on this planet for all eternity, what are you saying about Jesus in your world? I know when the Dodgers won Pots and pans were being banged and there was, there was posts being made. We finally did it, we got over that hump, let the world know. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? When's the last time you made Jesus known? When's the last time you offered this good news to the world around you? This is not about us, friends. We're in the club, we're saved, we're free. How is it that we can be outside of that tomb 
shouting our freedom and there's so many still in there. A prophetic word over the life of this church was this, that we're not gonna be the church that's in heaven beckoning people up, that we are gonna be at the gates of hell, storming hell's gates to release prisoners. Will that be you? How will you make Jesus known? I would invite you to stand this morning. The greatest encounter we will ever have is this salvation encounter with Jesus. It's gonna trump the day you were born. It's gonna trump your anniversaries. It's gonna trump the days your children were born. It's, gonna, it's the greatest encounter we will ever have with Jesus. My commission to you as a people who have heard this good news is to help others find an encounter with Jesus. We're not in the encounter series anymore, but that series is still true. We need to offer Jesus to the world. It's not about us. This is life and death. Will you answer the call? Jesus, by your spirit, I commission these people. Lord, by your spirit, I, I, I ask that tongues will be loosed with the gospel. They don't have to know the Bible verses. They don't have to know all of the dip, deep, rich theologies. All they have to know is what they know about Jesus. That he has saved me, that he died for me, that he rose again, that he has forgiven me, and he can forgive you too. All of that other stuff, God, I pray for the fear and the, re the fear of rejection and the shackles that come with the lack of knowledge. Lord, I rebuke those things and I pray that your people will be unleashed like never before. They will be sharers of the word, sharers of the truth, and they won't back down because of the culture. You have risen. Jesus, thank you. Thanking you, thank you for giving us the message of our life. We don't ever have to ask, why am I here? Why was I born? You've made all of that clear for us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We celebrate you. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise this morning. Thank you, guys. Awesome. He is risen. Yeah. what do you say of Jesus my hope is that from this day forward we'll say a whole lot that we'll say a whole lot and that we'll give other people a whole lot to say about him we love you guys God bless you have a wonderful Easter with your family pray you guys have good meals I pray that over those meals that you celebrate what Jesus has done if you're going back to a family who maybe doesn't celebrate Easter in the way that we do I pray that you'll be the light in that place I pray that you'll be the light with your friends and your family and listen that Easter doesn't end this day we celebrate his resurrection every day go with God hope to see you guys soon God bless